welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, after discussing some news, we'll be going over other things and risky players for the 2021 fantasy season. So players that are likely to perform like about where they're expected to, those are the sure things. And the risky players are players that have a wide range of possible outcomes. And those will be the ones where we'll have to really dive in and make some tough decisions about what we think is actually going to happen with those players. It's episode 72. We're back. We have, uh, Chris and I have begun working on our rankings, which is really fun. And we'll be releasing those soon, putting a lot of work into those already. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for the Scott Fishbowl, which is in less than a month. And we'll have our draft for the big analyst league, the Scott Fishbowl. And um, yeah, Chris, I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, definitely. Me too. We've got a good episode. These players, I mean, when you're doing a fantasy league, short things and risky players, it's some one of the biggest things that you want to look at just because like you want to make sure that you have a, a good balance of them because obviously you want to have risky players with big upside, but you also want to know what you're getting with some sure things. So it's a fun episode. Yeah, and I'm doing well overall. It's almost summer for my uh, school. Chris is already in summer. Got mm-hmm. my mic back. Excited for the Scott Fishbowl. And yeah, this is like the last week of school. So I apologize that we had to release the episode a couple of days late. This is probably the last week that that's actually going to have to happen just because in summer, we're just going to have so much time. But it was uh, my fault this time because I was not available. So yeah. All right. All your fault. (laughs) Yeah, all my fault. I deserve everything that comes to me. So tweet at me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF if you're furious about this. All right, let's start with some news. And we had a big trade break uh, just a couple days ago. Julio Jones, former Falcon, 32 years old, big contract, has been traded to the Tennessee Titans along with a future sixth rounder and the Titans or the Falcons in return receive a second and fourth round pick. Julio will now be lining up across from A.J. Brown with Derrick Henry in the box. Ryan Tannehill now operating perhaps one of the league's or definitely one of the league's best offenses. And we talked about this on the show with Hutchinson about nine days ago, but now that it's actually happened, Chris, what do you think is the reaction, your reaction for all players involved on the uh, Falcons and the Titans? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different angles that we can look at this from and obviously huge blockbuster trade. So there's going to be lots of impacts, but I mean, I think one of the biggest winners right away that I'm seeing is just Ryan Tannehill. And I've been uh, someone that's loved Ryan Tannehill. So this trade actually annoyed me a little bit. Um, I was ready to grab Ryan Tannehill from people who watch him perform really well. I think a lot of people are going to be jumping onto the Tannehill train. Um, I'm just really excited. This helps his stock even more. So I'm still going to definitely be targeting him in drafts. But uh, yeah, it's really good for them. If this is one of the best wide receiver combos in the league, Julio and AJ Brown. So I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think AJ Brown will still like thinking about it. I obviously would have rather that he had the target share to himself because sometimes it's with, with wide receivers. If they're not good enough, you like, for example, Corey Davis or Juju guys like that who are good, but need to be in sort of the wide receiver two role. You want them to have another guy to take some targets, but AJ Brown is the type of player who can handle like 150 targets. So I'm disappointed. He doesn't have wide receiver one upside for me anymore. So, I mean, and I'm not disappointed overall in this trade. It's just AJ Brown's value for me drops a little bit. A lot of people are sort of keeping it the same and I don't just, I don't quite think that's wise. He will probably be a rank ranked around like wide receiver five for me um, behind like guys like Ridley Diggs, Adams and Hill, probably not behind Justin Jefferson uh, just because that offense is, I mean, they run the ball a lot. And I think Jefferson, while he had like a great rookie year, 
that's probably about where he's going to sit for next year. And I feel like AJ Brown has a little more potential, but yeah, maybe right around that borderline top five cusp. So mm-hmm. Julio and I guess Chris, you can tell me if you agree. I would say solid wide receiver too, around like that 14, 15 range. He's just, he struggled with injuries last year, but I think hopefully he's good and ready to go. He'll receive a lot of targets though. And Ryan Tannehill should become one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league with these two contested catch and yards after catch guys just lining up on opposite sides along with Derrick Henry. Yeah, exactly. So for Julio, I'm definitely with you. I think he kind of falls into that wide receiver two range. But yeah, I'm really excited to get uh, for what this does for Tannehill stock. AJ Brown, I agree with you. He's around that top five range, but he still is just, he, he has so much potential to be a top five wide receiver. I think that makes him really valuable to your team because I, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting. Like, I feel like his production isn't going to drop below top 10, but then he has the ability to be a top three wide receiver. So, I mean, that's just kind of, he's a big play threat and he's really athletic, incredibly good with the deep ball. And so I just think that gives him, he has all the things that he needs to be able to put together a top three fantasy season, a really solid quarterback too with Ryan Tannehill. So uh, overall, I think there are a lot of winners for this trade. I think it definitely helps both teams. The Falcons, I mean, Julio had a massive contract, and I didn't feel like they were in a win-now situation. It's best for them to get this draft fix and be be able to start building around this new core with Kyle Pitts. But, um, yeah, and on the other hand, the Titans, they're able to kind of finally push for that Super Bowl win because I think that this definitely puts them in at least that conversation. So really excited, uh, great move, and I'm really excited to see what Julio can do. It's going to be fun to see him in a new situation. Yeah, I agree. I think Tannehill's stock will soar. I mean, before the trade, I had him as my quarterback 11. I really think now he has top six, top eight quarterback potential. And unfortunately, the days of him being underrated might be just about over. But he's going to vault ahead of Russell Wilson for me, uh, probably ahead of maybe ahead of Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. I haven't really decided yet. Or Aaron Rodgers. Those guys are going to be tough. It's going to be tough deciding Tannehill or them. And the thing about Tannehill is that, I mean, this is just about as good of a situation as you could ask for. Because before the trade, he was already a very efficient quarterback. Didn't throw that much because they had to give the ball to Derrick Henry. But when he did, he had the best yards after catch receiver in the league. So he was able to be efficient. And he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. And that never ended up regressing just because of A.J. Brown. Now you have Julio, who is amazing on deep balls, 20-plus yard catches, big plays. One of the best wide receivers in the league at that and a future Hall of Famer. Um, he's just going to become off the charts in terms of efficiency running off of that play action will be ridiculous and defenses will not be able to stop this team just at all. I can't see a single defense that would be able to stop or completely stop this Titans team. Tannehill. I mean, he's not like known for his mobility. He's not like a, a stick either, but he's just in terms of, I was looking for a different word, I think, but like, he doesn't just like stand around in the pocket. He's not slow but he is going to be very efficient next year. And I think his attempts also will go up because you got to give Julio, you got to feed Julio, got to feed AJ Brown. And I mean, there's a reason the Titans made this trade and maybe they'll become more of a pass first team, even Mm -hmm. with Derrick Henry, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, definitely. All right. And then Calvin Ridley, let's talk about the other side. I think Kyle Pitts, he's going to, he really has the potential. If I had to predict it now, I think he will beat Evan Ingram's, best uh, rookie season for the uh, best tight end rookie season of all time. And I have him currently as my tight end six. I might move him ahead of Mark Andrews, but I haven't really decided. I feel like Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, and Andrews are all really solid tight ends. I'd have Mm -hmm. a tough time putting Pitts ahead of them, but I haven't decided what I'll do yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm excited for Pitts. I don't think he, I'm actually not going to say he's going to be able to beat Evan Ingram's record, 
But uh, it's definitely a, an attainable goal for him, and it's something that he should be pushing for. I mean, he's the best tight end that we've seen come into this league since Vernon Davis, so I'm really excited. Maybe the best tight end we've ever seen come into this league. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, he, as pure prospect-wise, he might he might just be. Yep. And Calvin Ridley, this is the guy I want to talk about. Chris does not agree, but because of the uncertainty in Green Bay with the QB situation and because Tyreek Hill is probably due for some touchdown regression, when we when Julio Jones was not on the field last year, Calvin Ridley was as good as anyone in football. I believe he averaged more fantasy points per game than like just about anyone not named Devontae Adams. He was up there in that tier with Tyreek Hill. And that's why, with Julio gone, Calvin Ridley is my new fantasy football wide receiver one. Not a wide receiver one, the wide receiver one in fantasy. So I think he's going to be an amazing value. He, This is not a Juju situation, as I saw on Twitter. I thought that comparison was pretty ridiculous. Juju is a moderately talented slot receiver who is good at what he does, but when forced into the alpha role, he frankly played quite garbage. Ridley was actually better in fantasy with Julio out, significantly better. He only had, in his seven games without Julio, he's only had one week outside of the top 24 fantasy wide receivers. He's had a number of absolutely blow-up games, former first-round pick, uber-talented player, outside wide receiver, elite separator, and, yeah, just an all-around stud. I think there's plenty of justification for having him as the wide receiver one now that we don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm definitely still a Devontae Adams supporter, but I can definitely see uh, Calvin Ridley sneaking inside my top four and maybe even inside my top three. I really like Stephon Diggs, and I'm still undecided on where Tyreek Hill falls into my rankings. He might be ahead. But, yeah, I'm really excited for what Ridley can do. But I think as long as we know Adams isn't leaving, he still has to be my wide receiver one because him and, I mean, the target share that he gets from Aaron Rodgers and just how often that offense scores. And, yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw less touchdowns, but I don't think it, the regression is going to be as big as people are thinking. I think it's going to be a little bit more similar to what we saw from Canada last year where everyone is expecting some massive drop-off. And he stayed, I mean, not a similar number but or a similar rate, but he definitely – wasn't too bad in terms of touchdowns. So I'm expecting a solid season. And I think just Devontae Adams, I think he's the most talented wide receiver in this league. And I also think that uh, he's got one of the best quarterbacks throwing to him and he throws to him a lot. So I think that's, you can't ignore that. And I think that's why I would still have him as my wide receiver one, but it's getting closer. Well, I don't think, I feel like you have to expect regression from Rodgers. I mean, it's a different situation from I do, but I don't think people, I think people are expecting too much regression. I mean, no, because the thing about Tannehill was that, like, he was, I mean, it wasn't just his touchdowns, which were good, like, those were supposed to go down, but also just his efficiency in general, his yards per attempt was expected to go down because it didn't match up with him, but then it was just because he had A.J. Brown, who gets yards after the catch, and, I mean, his, if Tannehill's dot says his yards per attempt is supposed to go down, then, I mean, A.J. Brown might not let that happen because he's going to get five or ten yards after the catch on a lot of plays. I, I just, first of all, we don't even know Rodgers is going to be there. Second, he hit that 9% mark, which wasn't even close to where Tannehill was. And every time someone hits the 9% touchdown rate mark, they go down. Rodgers, it happened to Rodgers. He always stays around the 5 per, or 6% touchdown rate, which is very good, but it's going to shrink. It's not, he's not going to throw 48 touchdowns again or anywhere really close. I understand maybe keeping Adams there. I'd even understand an argument for Tyreek Hill, but. I mean, I feel like Tyreek Hill, he had his best season of his career last year. I feel like Calvin Ridley's ceiling is even a little bit higher than what Tyreek did because, once again, the Falcons don't have a running back, and they're going to throw the ball a ton. It's just going to be Ridley and Pitts. And- so what about Stefan Diggs? Why wouldn't Stefan Diggs be ahead? Well, because Stefan Diggs has already hit his seat. I mean, 
uh, maybe not hit his ceiling. He could get a little bit more lucky with touchdowns than he did. But just I don't really feel like Josh Allen can do much better than he did last year. It was basically the ideal season. His completion percentage jumped up. His pass attempts jumped up. Like, do you see his pass attempts getting higher than that? I don't really think that's what the Bills want to do. Like, I I mean, Stephon Stephon Diggs was very good. But he was in the Ridley tier when Ridley played most of the season with Julio. And when Ridley was without Julio, Ridley was in that Tyreek Hill tier. So expecting a little bit of regression from Tyreek, expecting regression from Devontae, and not knowing if Rodgers is there is what puts Calvin Ridley as my wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. But I understand. I mean, I guess I understand as low as wide receiver three. I wouldn't really get anything lower, though. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So let's move on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been absent from the mandatory minicamp, which is also a good sign for my Calvin Ridley wide receiver one pick. But mm-hmm. this was expected. He's holding out. We don't know if he's going to be a Packer. We've, uh, this has been talked to death. But, I mean, it's possible he just doesn't play the whole season. Pulls away beyond Bell. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because before, like when these holdouts happened, everyone was like, no one has ever held out for a full season. They're going to come back. And Le- Le- Le'Veon Bell didn't. So now there's actually precedent for someone. I know it's a running back, but there's precedent for this. And quarterbacks have been growing more unhappy with their role. We saw that with Deshaun Watson. I mean, we saw rumors with Russell Wilson, although those weren't really completely founded. Tom Brady left New England. I mean, quarterbacks are deciding they want to move around and pick their team. They are not just happy with being the star on a team that's chosen for them with managers that don't take their input. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Um, let's move on to sure things and risky players. We'll start with sure things. And yeah, at quarterback, there's a couple of guys. We got Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill. And Patrick Mahomes is a sure thing because we already know he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, the best quarterback in the league as of right now. Um, He definitely throws some 50-50 balls up that could be picked, but he has such an incredible arm. And his ability to just throw off balance from any position and just throw an absolute dot, completely accurate, is just unmatched by anyone he's pretty much guaranteed to be a top three quarterback if he stays healthy the full year. And then Ryan Tannehill, because we've already seen him be consistently efficient. We know what this offense is going to get. We know what Derrick Henry's going to do. And as a result, we know how Ryan Tannehill is going to play off the play action. And he's got two star receivers to help him out. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Yeah. I guess those don't need much analysis. You can start with the running backs though. Uh, we got Derrick Henry on here and, yeah, two thousand yard uh, rusher last year, or was it two thousand total yards? I think it was. Yeah, 2000 definitely. I want to say one thing about Ryan Tannehill, though, and that's just okay. that. I mean, yes, he's. I mean, he dipped last year in touchdown percentage, but he's got such good receivers. I think it's going to be easy for him to sustain that number that he was at last year. AJ Brown just makes him into a really good quarterback, and he's definitely uh, he's comparable enough that he can support a guy like AJ Brown and a lot get him the ball and. So AJ Brown can do what he does best. So I just think that um, that I don't expect to see much change. And he's again one of those quarterbacks that I really like. But yeah, Derrick Henry. I mean, he's definitely a sure thing to get a lot of um, touches just because of the way their offense runs. And I'm really excited just because they have some guys now that'll open up the box even more. Just get him more running room. And in this kind of offense, we know they're going to be scoring a lot of points. And think about Derrick Henry is he can bust it in from the one yard line. Or he can take it 99 yards to the house, which you've seen him done do twice. So I think that just there's a lot of things. And you can always trust him to put up a solid number of fantasy points just because he's such an aggressive runner. And he's someone that gets a lot of touches and doesn't get injured. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, let's move on. 
Um, I think Derrick Henry, yeah, he's just an absolute stud. And I think for this year, we can pretty much say that he's going to be great again. And he's going to be facing less defensive pressure now with Julio Jones, so he could even get more efficient. And so in in the future, though, he's got to wear down eventually. It happens to all running backs. I know he's a beast, but, I mean, his dynasty value may never get higher than it is now, so you might want to sell. Next guy is Nick Mm -hmm. Chubb, who's also an absolute stud. If he stays healthy, he's going to have the consistent rushing workload. People are have been concerned about Kareem Hunt for a little while, but I think those concerns should be ebbing away just because Chubb is also really efficient on the ground, sort of like a Derrick Henry light. I mean, he's not as, in terms of not being as big, but they have the same kind of physical running style and he's incredible, really efficient, gets some passing work and he doesn't really need it. I mean, he people forget he's can be a top five running back if he's healthy the whole season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott is next on here. And this is a guy who's also gotten some concern because when Dak Prescott got hurt, when Andy Dalton was out there, when the Cowboys didn't have like great quarterback play, Zeke was worse. And it made sense because it's also his offensive line was completely injured, but it all reports say that Zeke is looking good in off season. He's running crisp routes. Uh, just he looking like his old self again. And I think we can expect that this year, which is consistency, borderline top five, um consistency where he just puts up the same numbers the whole year he rarely gets hurt so it's nice to have him so some people might be fading Zeke and it's sort of like he definitely left a sour taste in some people's mouths last year but I mean you should be perfectly fine with drafting him last year near where he usually goes mm-hmm. yeah definitely and just having Dak back he's just gonna take his fantasy value right back up to where it was and we know this is a talented offense but despite them having a lot of wide receivers they still love to feed Zeke and uh, he loves to eat. So I think that he's back for another great season. And yeah, I think that you can trust him. And he's one of those players that I think a lot of people aren't going to trust just because he did have a really bad season last year. But uh, I think that he should rebound nicely. The only thing I probably wouldn't have put this on this list. I mean, I kind of agree that he's more of a short thing than a risky player, but I'm a little bit concerned about Tony Pollard. I think that he's shown that he's a talented back. And I'm, I think that he's going to start to uh, take some touches in the passing game. So that makes him a little bit risky for me, but I, I, I'm okay with you having him on here, Calvin. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say he barely drops off at all. Like, if if I mean he he can sometimes maybe he can make up for his lack of touches and efficiency. I mean, I'm valuing him almost the same. He might be a sell in dynasty because he has had five straight years of a really really heavy workload. And I'm you might even want to sell him this year because you don't want to be caught holding the bag too late. But I think you'll be fine in redraft. And I think he's based on all reports, he's ready to go. Yep. Uh, Chris Carson is next. And while he's struggled with some injuries, which maybe is like the one thing that doesn't really make him a sure thing, he's averaged top 15 fantasy point numbers uh, per game in just like each of his last, I think, four years. He's as consistent as they come. Pete Carroll wants to get back to his run first scheme. And Chris Carson's a good pass catcher, a good tough runner inside, and no running back. We've had some questions about Rashad Penny, about others. No one's ever challenged him before. I don't see any reason why they will now, especially since – they really didn't bring any in anyone. They lost Carlos Hyde, and now they just – I mean, did they bring in a running back, Chris? I don't remember. I don't – oh, Alex Collins, but, like, that doesn't count. Let's be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited about him. Uh, he's a player that – I don't know. I think you can trust him, right? I, I mean, yeah. I wasn't as high on him, right, Calvin? But he's, he's the RB19, and he consistently puts up top 15 well, like- production – so like I wasn't worried about like Rashad Penny has shown definitely some good flashes. No, he hasn't. There's a lot of just change in how they're <laughs> going to play call. 
they've got Russell Wilson, who's like still run the ball a little bit. They're more of a pass heavy offense. So I don't know. I just don't trust Chris Carson as much. I don't feel comfortable game by game having there. Well, I, I don't think Rashad Penny's shown any flashes, to be honest. I think he's a bust. That was a terrible pick by the CEO. No, he has opinion. shown a ton of flashes. He's just struggled with injuries. So no, but he's also, he's just not gotten on the field, even when he's healthy. I mean, Carson, we know Carson has had injuries, but we also know that every running back has injuries. And so, I mean, when it's not like those season ending ACL tears that he's getting, I'm not that concerned. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, now let's move on to our last guy here. This is a little bit of a late round guy that you might be sleeping on Hutchinson Brown, who we had on the podcast uh, like nine days ago, really likes this guy. Gus, it's Gus Edwards and Gus Edwards in um, Baltimore, whether it's been Mark Ingram or JK Dobbins has consistently gotten like 130 carries. Like I, I remember looking at it up and his stats are just like incredibly consistent over the last few years. He's not the best pass catcher. He actually has like caught 18 passes in his three years of his career, but like first three years of his career, 137 attempts for 718 yards, 133 attempts for 711 yards, 144 attempts for 723 yards. A must-have if you're a Dobbins owner, to be honest. And he is definitely playable in weeks. Like, he's topped 700 yards in every season. 700 rushing yards in all of his first three seasons. That's And he's going at around, like, the RB40 price. So if you can get Gus Edwards, go after him. He's really, really undervalued, and he can put up some numbers for you when you need him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And we know what we're going to get from him. Like, he's ranked uh, behind guys like Kenyon Drake, A.J. Dillon, Leonard Fournette, James Conner. Okay. I mean, when you get up to like James Conner, Zach Moss, Javante, you understand it, but he also like that tends to be the place where the running backs also get, go to a lull and wide receivers start being taken more. I mean, I really like Gus Edwards in my early rankings. I have him as my RB 33 and he's the RB 39 on fantasy pros. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of rankings, I have completed my first draft of quarterback and running backs. And uh, Chris has, I'm not exactly sure. But I think based on what you sent me, you had done a lot of your running backs already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Let's move on to wide receivers. We got Stefan Diggs, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, and Robert Woods. So, Chris, who do you want to start with here? Hmm. Let's see. Let's start with Allen Robinson. Okay. Yeah, and so Allen Robinson, I just think that he's a he's a sure thing just because he gets so many targets in that offense. And that's one of the biggest things to look for when you're trying to pick out players that you feel like you can trust. And it's ball. It's, and the two things are volume and like not, not being, have much, having much injury risk. And that's exactly what Allen Robinson is. He hasn't struggled much with injuries and he's just a target monster. He consistently is receiving, I mean, a hundred plus receptions every single season. So I think that just that number allows you, I mean, in half PPR, that right there is just 50 points right off the bat, you know. So those are some good points right there. And then on top of that, I mean, he's he's great at racking up yards. If he finds the end zone a little bit more, too, he could end up being a, a top six or a wide receiver, in my opinion. So um, definitely a guy that I like going in next just because of the incredible volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him, too. I've always liked him. I think Justin Fields, who's just going into the league, will lean on him. Andy Dalton, who's not that good of a quarterback, will lean on him. He can get those 150 targets once again. And yeah, I mean, other than that ACL tear a few years ago, you're right. He hasn't struggled with injuries. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's very yeah. solid. Keenan Allen is next. And I mean, every year 
There are always some people off that Keenan Allen train. He always produces. And last year, he had an incredibly consistent season. Now that he has a great quarterback in Justin Herbert, he could even be better than he has been in the past. And yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert loves to throw to Keenan Allen. Doesn't really like to throw anywhere else, even to the um, chagrin of his coaching staff. I was looking for a word. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah, I, I, he's really going to be good. He actually could be ending up like in that top 12 wide receiver range, just doesn't have like a ton of top five upside, which is the one problem, but we know what we're mm-hmm. getting from Keenan now. Yeah, definitely. And Mike Williams is a little bit of concern. He's been playing better football as the years go on, but I'm still trust Keenan Allen to get a ton of targets. And there's a, there's a gaping hole that Hunter Henry left. So I think that Keenan Allen can pick up some of those. I'm excited about what he can do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I've, it's going to be fun to watch him next year as, as always. I was thinking of that, there was a tweet by PFF that showed their Chargers projections, and you won't believe it, but they had Mike Williams with more receiving yards than Keenan Allen. Yeah, was, that was ridiculous. It was such a bad take. I had to tweet about it. You can find it at Calvin underscore SGF. But, like, Mike, well, the Mike Williams book is closed. They drafted Josh Palmer with the 77th overall pick. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't been good. And if the quarterback's yeah, not true. throwing to him, it means that he, he's at a good athlete, but he plays so, like – he, he like he's like it's like he's trying to get hurt almost when he's playing he just he falls hard mm-hmm. all right Stefan Diggs we kind of know about he's going to be Josh Allen's number one target for a little while now and uh not much explaining need to be needs to be done there he's just locked and loaded about t- in that top five range top six range at wide receiver mm-hmm. and yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess would you say top five I think I would say top five Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh definitely. yeah definitely. I, I think actually. i i think i might have him a top three actually yeah maybe even top three like Devonte, tyreek stefan calvin ridley aj brown yeah justin jefferson i'm definitely stefan Diggs is pretty safely in the top five for me mm-hmm. yep I'm and then robert woods is the last guy and he just for a few years has been putting up good numbers whether no matter what with the quarterback play even with jared goff he's been putting up good numbers and now with matthew stafford they're likely to be better in passing the ball that might help Cooper Cup, who's more of a deep ball receiver, but Robert Woods gets his, and he's just consistently there. Consistently gets underrated, too. I mean, it, it's it's not that exciting of a pick because we just know that he's not really – doesn't have much potential beyond a like a wide receiver, too. Like, he can't really be a top 12 guy. But right now, wide receiver 21 on Fantasy Pros, it's not like – here. like, last year, I feel like Robert Woods, I actually ranked, like – as a top 15 guy this year, there's guys ahead of him, like Galladay and DJ Moore and Adam Thielen. Like I understand having those guys ahead, but sometimes he can slip past maybe some running backs that he shouldn't, or just slip a few spots based on people just overlooking him a little bit for going Mm -hmm. for upside potential. But I mean, Robert Woods is a good safe pick to have on a team where you're like drafting other ceiling picks. Yeah, definitely. The only thing that makes me a little bit concerned <laughs> is the change in quarterbacks. And with that, sometimes quarterbacks like to change who their favorite target is. It, a lot of that does depend on the quarterback. So, I don't know. That makes him a little bit more risky. I wouldn't necessarily count him as a sure thing. But, yeah, definitely not a player to avoid or anything. Um, but And I think you do know that you're at least somewhat what you're getting. And as long as Matthew Stafford doesn't begin to blank him or something with targets, I think that he'll be totally fine. And the Rams like to use him in a lot of ways in this offense. Mm-hmm. All right, tight ends now. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, both have consistent target shares. Travis Kelsey is easily the tight end one, borderline first-round pick for me, um, probably late first. And then Darren Waller, 
uh, can also be picked. Maybe like he, he can be picked in the early rounds as well. Just his, what was awesome about what happened with Waller is that, I mean, he got targeted a ton, but touchdowns, which he struggled with those went up. He got way more targets in the red zone, which was amazing. Like it's exactly what we all wished for and didn't know if it would happen. And it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's my tight end too, just because Kittle and I guess everyone else in the 49ers, something with the medical staff seems to have so much injury risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I love Darren the volume is just incredible and that makes him so exciting because I mean you just know that he's gonna be getting tons of catches and remember we used to be sitting there Calvin with Darren Waller and just watching target after target after target in, in that Jets years. game yeah. yeah he was just he was winning it's not normal for a tight end to just dominate and win you a fantasy game and that's what Darren Waller has the potential to do well it was kind of funny because Waller scored like 38 points and I won by like 50 that week mm-hmm. so I wouldn't I didn't even need Waller but he just went off and it was like absolute beat down that was like yeah. when my team really started to break out at the end of the year and then I got like a nice win in the playoffs I think I got did I get third or fourth I don't I'm not sure oh yeah I think it was fourth but yeah that not bad I I started my team started playing better yeah all right risky players quarterbacks Jameis Winston Aaron Rodgers Deshaun Watson I think we already know we've discussed Rodgers so much and uh Deshaun Watson, just because of the allegations and the, we don't know what's going on. We don't know if there's going to be a settlement. We just don't know if he's even going to play. So that's pretty self-explanatory. But Jameis Winston is also interesting because this is a guy Chris really likes. We don't know if he's going to start. And if he does, maybe he throws too many picks and uh, he gets benched for Taysom Hill. If he does start, we've seen him chuck the ball down the field so much. And it's amazing because if he, like he has top 12 potential then, at, but we just don't know if he's, going to be out there for the full season or at all mm-hmm. yep um yeah I, but yeah i know you're really you really like him a lot chris mm-hmm. yeah definitely just one of those t- players that i feel like has so much potential just because i mean his offense is so high scoring and michael thomas is an incredible player so i mean you know he's a quarterback that i feel like has shown a lot of potential and we were doing a a, a sporkle quiz on our live show the other day and Jameis Winston was, I think, second or maybe first in like he yards. He the league in passing yards a couple of years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm saying like he was a really good quarterback with the Bucks, other aside from the interception. So, if he can get that number down, I'm really excited about what he could do. Yeah. And go subscribe to Second and Goal Sports Talk on YouTube. Let's go mm-hmm. check out the current subscriber count because we want to get to 100 subscribers and get their custom channel URL, youtube.com slash second goal sports talk or youtube.com slash SG sports talk, I guess. We're at 17, so we're kind of got stuck a little bit. We actually got a little bit of a run there for a little while, but just go subscribe if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, running backs, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, and the Tampa backfield. Those are the guys we're going to talk about. And Montgomery, we've discussed throughout the offseason, had an incredibly easy schedule last year. All like Basically all bottom five defenses are, are close throughout the final seven games of the year. Tariq Cohen was hurt, and once we saw Tariq Cohen get hurt, David Montgomery's passing attempts predictably went up. Do we know, like, we don't know if they're going to go back down. We know Mac Nagy likes to use Tariq Cohen, much to the chagrin, there's that word again, of fantasy managers. But, I mean, it's hard to rank him, like, too high, like, higher than a mid-tier RB2. I just can't do it. There's other guys Mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable taking. Yeah, definitely. I'm the same way. And Tariq Cohen now coming back to just fight off a share, and it's just – there's a lot of question marks with Demon right now. And so, yes, he finished the season really great, but I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain that. And it's just a player that I'm not necessarily willing to risk a lot on. So not a player I'm looking to get in drafts. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, this is a topic switch, but from earlier, we we're talking about like tight ends and Mark Andrews. Uh, apparently, Mark Andrews is having like he's r- running routes as well as he ever has. He's having really good uh, mini camp right now. So like he's he's at his the best he's ever been, which is great. And that might make me. I mean, feel like I might rank him ahead of Kyle Pitts. It's easy to get concerned about him, but we saw Lamar Jackson play a lot better in the second half of last year. And mm-hmm. so if Lamar's playing well, Mark Andrews will be playing really well as well. Yep. Uh, Josh Jacobs is also on here. Chris uh, has him on his dynasty team, so it was very painful for the Kenyon Drake signing. We just don't know how many touches Kenyon Drake's going to get and how they're going to come. Like, is it going to be all receiving touches? Is he actually going to, like, split carries 50-50? Because they paid him a lot, but I do feel like Josh Jacobs will stay on for, like, a decent majority of the carries. Uh-huh. Yeah, I went ahead and sold Josh Jacobs just because I was too concerned about um... – <laughs> The panic selling Drake there. And so that just shows you, I was not excited about that signing and I'm really worried about what it does. They also traded away their entire offensive line for, so, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. I wasn't liking the direction that this team was moving forward with Josh Jacobs. It didn't seem like they had total trust in him. So I went ahead and sold him. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, it's the, I, I don't know why. I mean, he was inefficient, but he, and he didn't have like that big play juice, but they're not really trying to help him either. They cut their whole offensive line and then just got Leatherwood in the first round, who was more of a second round prospect and all of that. It's really, mm-hmm. really weird off season for Oakland or yeah. Las Vegas. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then the Tampa backs, we saw Fournette be the guy in the playoffs. It's going to make a lot of people forget that Ronald Jones was the guy in the regular season. So I'm going to, if I'm going after one of them, it's definitely Ronald Jones. Cause Fournette's going to, I feel like Fournette might just be relegated to that regular season role he had. Like, in the vast majority of games last year, he was non-existent. And Ronald Jones, I feel like, is the better running back now that Leonard Fournette feels – it feels like he's hit his running back wall already. Mm -hmm. Where he just regressed. Yeah, definitely. It's just so tough because I really like both of the RBs, but I'm scared to draft them because I feel like one could take the step up and, like, it's hard to know who that's going to be and who could start to take over that number one role. So it just makes me want to stay away from them. But you could hit the lottery also on them, and that's the way with a lot of uh, risky players. So definitely a player to look at if you feel really confident that you know one is going to start, go ahead and draft him. But right now, at least at least for now, I don't feel that way, so I'm not super comfortable having them on my team. All right, yep. Let's go to wide receivers. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, the first two on this list. And we know why this is. It's because Pete Carroll, the head coach, going back to a run-first scheme, Russell Wilson struggled at the end of last year. And now I feel like Wilson will do better with the limited attempts. He'll be the efficient guy he used to be, but we just don't know. Like, how is, how are they going to, they were already so inconsistent in the second half of last year with less pass attempts. You're not going to be able to rely on either one. I'm fading these guys out of the gym. They're both ranked way too high right now. In my opinion, DK's ranking of like mid tier wide receiver. One is way too high. Lockett's ranking of back end wide receiver. Two is way too high. Just stay away from them, in my opinion. It's just not worth it. And it's even if they score a lot of points, you're never going to know when to start them. Like Lockett had three good games last year. One of them was in week 17. So you never knew when to start him. You were getting burnt by him a lot. And then you might have benched him for his actual good games. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's And that's what makes him so risky. You never know which one is going to have the big game, so... Yeah, I don't like the either of them going into next season either. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Chase Claypool is next. After his breakout season, he really just fell off the map. And that might continue uh, with Najee Harris coming into Pittsburgh. 
I don't think Pittsburgh's going to throw the ball as much next year. I don't know if Big Ben's going to have his usual huge attempt total. And Deontay and Juju are the one and the two and on that team. I'm probably avoiding Chase Claypool. It's easy because he, like, with, during that breakout week, a lot of fantasy managers who took a chance were really happy. But now it's just sort of, we just don't know what's going to, we, 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 it's hard to judge him. And I just think he's probably going to disappoint next year. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a good player. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's just so much competition there. I mean, I love Deontay Johnson. He's a target monster. And then you have Juju playing in the slot. I mean, while I think that Chase Claypool can have a role, I don't trust Big Ben either next year. And so there's a lot of factors that aren't related to how Chase Claypool plays, and that's how well Deontay and Juju Smith play and how well Ben Roethlisberger plays. So that just makes him way too risky for me, even though I think he's talented. So I'm not, again, another player that I'm not looking to get on my team next year. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's do the last couple wide receivers, Will Fuller and Jerry Judy. And Will Fuller has so many problems. He's always been hurt, and the year he wasn't, he was taking PEDs. Suspended for the first game of the season, has Tua Tagovailoa as his quarterback, who we don't know if he can Tua can get the ball to him as much as Deshaun Watson or as well as Deshaun Watson. Tua is so unproven. And then Jerry Judy, he sort of busted last year. I don't. I think he's as risky as you do, Chris. Just be. Uh, I mean, he showed a good rapport apparently with. Teddy Bridgewater, who, I mean, based on what we're hearing about Drew Locke in his uh, mini camp, he, Bridgewater might be the quarterback there very soon. But I understand because he did, while he got a lot of targets, he kind of busted for fantasy last year. I'm probably going after Judy a little bit more. He might be a little bit, he, he might be faded by people because he just didn't have that breakout that was expected. I like Judy. Fuller, I'm just avoiding. I can't deal with that. And he's just, just too many question marks for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Fuller is so, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I talked about it earlier in the show, volume and injury risk is two of the biggest things I look at when deciding whether or not to trust a player. And Will Fuller is so risky, not only in injuries, but also in uh, his substance use. So I just think that makes him super risky. There's too much that could go wrong. And I think that one of those things will. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, quickly over to tight end. We have, we're going quick. Um, Logan Thomas is the first guy on this list, and he was really good at the end of last year, about as good as anyone, elite at tight end. And uh, now Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, though. Curtis Samuel comes in. Deami Brown was drafted. They signed Adam Humphreys. We don't know if Logan Thomas is going to be that reliable underneath guy for Fitzpatrick, who doesn't like to throw underneath into the tight end as much. So I understand the risk. And I was a lot higher on Logan Thomas earlier in the offseason than I am now. I'm getting more and more concerned as we move on. So it's just, it's hard for me to trust him. If he can, I'm hoping he can repeat his production just for my dynasty team, but it's just not guaranteed. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just don't trust it because I don't, I mean, he's getting older and I feel like his role is still like not to find it. I don't know why he's, he feels risky because he showed at the end of the season that he can be good, but it's such a small sample size. So I'm worried that this could turn into a Tyler Higby like situation. So, you know, that just leaves mm-hmm. me a little bit concerned. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why I think he's still pretty risky just because the small sample size. Yeah, it's tough. And I just, yeah, I mean, I'm realizing now more and more, like, when's Fitzpatrick actually going to throw to Logan Thomas? He's a good player, but it's just, I, I don't know when he's actually going to get the ball and when with a guy who loves to throw the ball downfield like that. So, yeah, maybe I should be fading Logan Thomas more than I did initially. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm slowly being convinced. Next, mm-hmm. guys, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. We talked about that on the Situations episode last week just because it's a terrible situation. We don't know. 
if any of them are going to be good. I, if I had to bet, it would be Janu because Janu is better after the catch, and he's I feel like a more athletic tight end than Hunter Henry. But it's they're just going to be splitting ca- uh, touches at tight end with Cam Newton, who doesn't throw the ball much at quarterback. I mean, if Mac Jones came in, maybe it's a different story. But it's hard to see a great ceiling for both of them, at least in the immediate future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm in agreement with you here just because they're kind of sitting in the in the way of their own of each other. I mean, they both got a pretty similar amount, and the New England definitely wants to use them. And for now, they don't have a quarterback that I can trust people to support two fantasy-relevant tight ends. So that makes them both really risky in my mind. And, again, it's one of those things kind of similar to the Tampa backfield where we don't know who's going to step up and be the true number one. So that just makes them too risky for me. Yeah, all right. Last couple guys, we got Evan Ingram on here. I don't really agree with this one, Chris, because I feel like – or I, I kind of agree. Because I feel like he's Daniel Jones's underneath option – and um, it, we, we, I, mean, I don't feel like that. We know he is. But then they added Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony to push the ball downfield and maybe throw some more screens. I feel like Tony won't be involved right away, though. He's going to disappoint some people at the beginning, which makes sense because he's a rookie. He might get more involved as the season goes on. And I still think Ingram has a role. But, yeah, I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be throwing underneath. Now he may be encouraged to, hey, air the ball out again like you used to because now you got some receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I am definitely, I think Evan Ingram is definitely risky because I'm worried about his talent. I think that we could slowly start to see him fade away from this Giants roster. They signed Kyle Rudolph to take away some of those red zone touches and Evan Ingram is notorious for his drop passes. So I'm really concerned that he's just not as talented as people think. And I think that he could slowly start to be factored out of the Giants offense. So it just, it's all really nerve wracking and he's been a letdown pretty much every year since his first season. Well, I guess this is only his first season. So last <laughs> year. So, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm too concerned about just the skill aspect of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not as concerned about drops because like, I mean, we know like two drops is okay. And then like seven drops is like horrific. And that's not that much different for fantasy, but uh, I understand what you mean, and I don't think he deserved to make the Pro Bowl like he did last year. Uh, but yeah, last player, Adam Troutman, who is going late in drafts. He might not even be drafted in some, so this is an interesting one. But he has the potential for the target share. Like, there's not anyone proven in that Saints offense with Michael Thomas. And with Jameis Winston coming in, I mean, we saw Jameis Winston support OJ Howard for a year. While he does like to push the ball downfield, he'll give it to his tight ends. But we know Adam Troutman's also a fourth round pick, and we don't know like if he's even good. It's fourth round tight ends, fourth round anybody. Just it's hard for them to succeed a lot. Yeah, but this so is the thing: don't he was ranked it by much. PFF as the number one blocking tight end in the blocking, league last year. Though. I mean, I know, but so we saw a jump of playing time, and you think they're going to take him off the field, Calvin? You can't just have someone. I know, but not targets. Don't just. This might just be a juju situation. Like he might be the juju of tight ends. We've never seen him be. Doesn't matter. He's ranked as tight end twenty six right now. Most drafts he's okay. Fine. Yeah, you can take a chance on him. I'm just saying. It. it, I wouldn't be surprised. But Calvin, who else is going to take away targets? I know Michael Thomas, but like you can't just say targets do not. Calvin, targets don't always equal production. Calvin. Who is going to take targets away from Adam Troutman in the? They're not going to throw to the, the tight end. They don't have to throw to the tight end. You realize CJ Uzoma or not CJ Mac Max Williams has just been sitting as the Arizona tight end for years, and he's had plenty of opportunity to get targets. That's and an, he never has. Offense under Cliff Kingsbury. 
Yeah, like, I know, but even with it doesn't. Ma- no, I know, but it doesn't matter because remember when all they had was Hopkins, they didn't throw the ball to Max Williams because Max Williams isn't good. I'm just saying we don't know if yeah, like there's a gaping hole that Jared Cook left in targets and in red zone touches. They love to use their tight ends, and coming out of college, Adam Trellman was known as a pass catching tight end. And he developed into one of the best run blocking or blocking tight ends. So that he's going to be on the field a ton. And then he's definitely going to be looking to catch passes. So I don't see why he, you can't trust him to be tight end 26. That doesn't make sense. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying I can't trust him to be his ranking. I'm just saying a lot that of, you realize a lot of people have him higher than that. Most people, I feel, he I feel like be, that, he's a sure thing with high upside. He's not a, he what? No that doesn't make any, no, nothing, we just, nothing. he has a wide variance of outcomes. That's the whole point of the show. I thought, I thought we were saying wide variance. I'm saying wide. Calvin, variance what do you think Adam Troutman finished as last year with Jared Cook there? To steal nothing there? like nowhere, but he could be like that. He could be the tight end 40 again, but he could also be the tight end 10. That's what I'm saying. He has a wide variance. You disagree with that? This this was a fun discussion, Chris. You you disagree with that? Yeah, but so I mean, Calvin, he's gonna be on the field so much, and they have no one else in the tight end. He's not risky. I know, but it doesn't. No, he they is have risky. Nick Vanette. That's their only other. Team. I know, but it doesn't. It mean he is risky because if he's being drafted for his ceiling, he's like gonna get a people are drafting time. him for his ceiling. It yeah, happens. He's gonna get a massive amount of playing time. I know, but he might just be. They might just not use the tight end in New Orleans, and he's a fourth rounder. They he's definitely not will. They, I know, but you're saying They've so. Always had a tight you're end saying he offer. doesn't have a wide variance of outcomes. Like you think he's pretty much guaranteed to be like a top twenty, top fifteen tight end. I think I guarantee him to be a top twenty six tight end. Yeah, I know, but that's not that. And that's where I'm you're getting him. Well, I'm he's not considering sure the top to twenty-six. Where you're getting him, Calvin? Yeah, I know. He, no, he's not going on draft. That means he's a going risky player. Is he's not he going undrafted like in all leagues. We need to find different realistic. rankings. Calvin, Let's see. Saying he's a risky tight end is saying he could finish as tight end forty. Well, I know he could. No, he, he can't. could. Yes, he could. He's the only. He's the best blocking tight end in the league. So he's going to be on the field, Wait, and you can't the have best blocking. There's no way he got the you best. You think blocking. that in an NFL he's not the best? Did you just call him the best blocking tight end in the league? He was ranked by PFF as the number one blocking tight end. That's a garbage ranking. That's a garbage ranking. That's he's what not he's the best Calvin. blocking tight end. George Kittle. Hello. Okay. Well, George Kittle's in play, so maybe he's number two. But Calvin, according to PFF, he was ranked, and I know that's not the only thing, but when he was on the field, he was the best blocking tight end in the whole league. That's garbage. I don't buy that. Well, you can't just disagree with a stat and use that as your only. It's not team. a stat; it's their PFF grade. That doesn't mean okay, but it doesn't always perfectly judge how good you are in football. Calvin. Okay, fine. Oh, he's a good blocking tight end. Maybe he'll be used that way, like Max Williams is. Calvin, you're going to see a ton of playing time. So okay, we are okay. going to come back to this. We need. Oh, we need to on the bull takes when we start doing the bull takes on each show. One of yours has to be about like, oh, Adam Troutman will not. I guess you Calvin, can't really at do the a beginning of the year, you said that you valued Adam Troutman the same as Irv Smith. Where has that gone? Uh, I mean, I guess I don't value him the same as Irv Smith. You're right. I changed my <laughs> mind. <laughs> okay. That is the end of the episode, everyone. Thank you for listening. Follow the podcast on Twitter at SGF Pod for updates. And that was that was a fun debate. That might have been the most heated debate we've had all this offseason. And it was about the fantasy, the fantasy pros tight end 26. Pretty funny. All right. At Calvin underscore SGF, at Chris underscore SGF, at SG Sports Talk. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah, subscribe. Second Goal Sports Talk on YouTube. Go do it right now.
Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week for uh, what do we have? Oh yeah, team by team off season moves and NFL draft recap. How you really think that he could end up being worse than like? Yeah, he could be worse than like Dawson Knox. Yep. Well, maybe not. Okay, not worse than Dawson Knox, but he could just finish like Dan Arnold. Maybe. Maybe. Oh yeah, I guess Dan Arnold is the Cardinals' tight end. But no, I'm saying Max Williams was there in the past, and he was just not doing anything. He was the only guy. (laughs) <laughs> well chris okay well those guys are garbage i'm saying troutman could Ian finish like Thomas, equal jimmy to graham yeah he could fe- he could finish equal to them maybe not worse not like significantly worse because those guys are gonna do nothing but maybe equal okay thank you for <laughs> that was fun that was really fun i had i had fun on this episode chris did you have fun yes it was great but um thank you for listening and we'll see you next time